On today's episode of A Tale of Two Rivals, yours truly discusses Jamar Chase's dynasty value. If Debo Samuel's the real deal, is Dalton Schultz a viable tight end rest of season? And is he now a dynasty value? On A Tale of Two Rivals. Welcome back to A Tale of Two Rivals, a show where the host is a go-with-your-gut, numbers-hating, follow-your-instincts, three-peat Tale of Two Rivals Listener League champion, Todd Fosser, at FF underscore Banterman on Twitter, is not here today. That's right, folks. You heard it. At FF underscore Spaceman, Dave Wright, myself is rocking it solo for the first of three episodes this week where we welcome to the new Tale of Two Rivals format where we both have a show dedicated to our individual takeaways and then a third show later in the week where we discuss a certain theme for the week. New format, hard-hitting, quick episodes, easy to digest. We know you guys have a lot to listen to, but we hope you're enjoying your Tale of Two Rivals this season. It's been a fun season. It's going great, but I have to tell you guys some news. The reason why Todd is not here tonight is because I kicked his butt in our long-standing redraft league. I I spanked him, guys. And Todd was feeling all great about himself. You know, he's talking about he's 3-1 in Scott Fishbowl, which is pretty cool. Props to him. He's first in his division which is, you know, hats off to him. I'm 0-4, getting my butt kicked. I, I can't escape the injury bug. And then Baker Mayfield, too. Oh, but anyway, not enough about that. Yeah, so Todd's 3-1, and one, so he's all high and mighty. And then I'm waiting all weekend to freaking rub it in his face, and he can't show up tonight. He can't handle the heat. So Todd, I put him to 0-4. He's in dead last. I'm in fourth place after a couple of down weeks but i'm back to where back to play in the playoff realm here but yeah todd whoo oh and four man in the fantasy football league our long-standing redraft league and uh, the one where i beat him in the championship last year uh, yeah I, he just couldn't handle it face up on the mic tonight no but all serious todd had some some car trouble where he spent all like two hours waiting for a tow truck uh long story short is uh he he's he is wiped long day at the office and so I'm rocking it for my takes here solo, and I'm just going to get right into it to start the week here. But before I do, I want to do a special shout out to friend of the show, Alex Duchesne, who is getting married this weekend. Congratulations, my friend. Very exciting. And if that wasn't enough excitement, the happy hour crew that we've been uh, going to Friday happy hours every Friday since the very beginning of the pandemic. But I think we've had over 50, over 60, 70, 80, I forget now, 80 happy hours at this point. The crew is getting together for his wedding, which is going to be awesome. I will not be at the wedding, but I'm going to the golf outing the Friday before, which is this week. So I'm very excited to meet all of my happy hour friends. So congratulations, Alex, at Duchesne's underscore on Twitter. 
host of, the, of Terrestrial Takes and a writer over at ContenderConnection.com. It'll be fun to see all those guys. So without any further ado, let's get into my first take. And it's getting into Jamar Chase is the wide receiver three in Dynasty. And I actually had to think about this one for a while because I was trying to think, would I boost him all the way up to wide receiver two? And I had to go back to the beginning. My whole process, I had to go look at CeeDee Lamb is now my wide receiver two in Dynasty. And Justin Jefferson is one, is one but CeeDee Lamb is two. And Jamar Chase is now three. But I had to put CeeDee Lamb and Jamar Chase side by side. And CeeDee Lamb had that one extra year of production. Whereas we can assume what we would think that Jamar Chase would have had if he hadn't have sat out for a year because of, co- uh, because of COVID. But I'm not going to ding him for that. But he just didn't ha- quite have the same production profile. But his draft capital, that sophomore year production oh, for Jamar Chase. So his baseline is he's one of the best age-adjusted college prospects we've seen in the last 10 years uh, with, the, with the draft capital. And he's attached to Joe Burrow. Whew, so that's the baseline. So people are like, oh, you're going too fast. Well, people need to realize where we're starting from with, with, Joe, with Jamar Chase. His start was high because he is, was that good of a prospect. And then through four games, he's, seen, he's had 87% of the snaps, 6.3 targets per game, which is good for a 24% target share. And he's been averaging 74.3 receiving yards per game through those four contests. And he has a touch, uh, averaged a touchdown in each one of those contests, four for the season. He has a 44% of the team share of air yards, which is a nice, nice number. And then all this put together gives him a 0.66 whopper, which is a weight opportunity rating. And that is just below the elite, elite weight opportunity ratings. Usually uh, 0.7 to 0.8 are like the Julio Jones of old whoppers, which is just real fine and real nice. But yeah, Jamar Chase's through four weeks, what he has done at 21 years old with Joe Burrow, who's coming back. And this is too with uh, the Cincinnati has been kind of changed up their offense. They're not throwing the ball a ton anymore. They've tried to go balance with Joe Mixon. So not really running a ton of plays in Cincinnati. So that T Higgins being on that squad and then and just how like the you know Cincinnati and that team and they're trying to be more balanced here is what made him the wide receiver three instead of the wide receiver two. So the production at 21 years old for Chase has been just astounding, elite, what have you. Looks like we might be on our way to another Justin Jefferson level rookie season from Chase here. Now, much to my chagrin, there's other wide receivers in Dynasty besides Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, and Jamar Chase. So what does that mean when we're stacking up against the other wide receivers? Well, Troy King asked this question this week. And I thought it was, it really brought this whole thing to my head. AJ Brown or Jamar Chase? Well, I'm telling you, AJ Brown, who's now, who's already in his age 24 season, who has been now dealing with injuries for the second or no, the third season in a row, he's been dealing with lower body injuries, played through it in a lot, missed a couple games here and there, but injuries have become a, a constant thing for AJ Brown. Now I'm not an injury prone believer or anything like that, but it's just a factor you have to consider. With AJ Brown, especially another soft tissue, a soft t- lower body soft tissue injury for a big muscular fast switch guy like that, you know, and my putting on my Doctor Spaceman, you know, outfit, eh, just a little con- cause for concern. Then you throw in how Tennessee is on offense, running consistently through Derrick Henry. And I know Derrick Henry's having a phenomenal, phenomenal season, but Titans are two and two. That defense is terrible. 
Ryan Tannehill, who's playing a spot up and down, up and down. They lose the Jets of all people in week four. Julio and AJ Brown are, are, gone, are out for the, the time being. But man, that offense and that, that organization, I, I'm not sure if I want that. That's just enough to ding the volume concerns that we were hoping that would take a spike for AJ Brown and we get over that 10 target threshold. I think I talked about a week or two ago. AJ Brown, so we're not going to rehash all of his stats again here, but those that he, he's not going to get the volume. He's got to continue to be uber efficient. And you can see what happens when you're being uber efficient, miss a couple games, and then just where's the you lose a little value here. You're attached to Ryan Tannehill instead of Joe Burrow. Yeah. So I, that's uh, firm. I'm firmly, as much as I love AJ Brown, been a huge fan of AJ Brown since day one. But it's, it, but Jamar Chase is that good of a prospect, that good of draft capital. And that good of first four games that he's going to go over AJ Brown for me. And as a reminder, I am now obligated to remind people what year two wide receivers do when they do what Jamar Chase is doing as a rookie, when they are 21 years old as a rookie, have draft capital, are extremely efficient like Jamar Chase has been. Those players see a significant boost in opportunities, in targets. And when you're already getting what Jamar Chase has been, he's 24% market share through four weeks and a boost and he you know he he gets better bigger stronger all that stuff hitting year two joe burrows more even a steps further from the injury the sky is the limit so you got to get out ahead of it you don't necessarily now i think it's tough to get ahead of it because people are buying this or drinking the kool-aid now too like me so it's tough to get ahead of it here but yeah jamar chase locked in top five for me settles in at three felt like i could push him higher lands at three here. Uh, I should also discuss a couple of these other wide receivers here. And now some of you might've been screaming to the microphone for the last five minutes, listening to me talk about Jamar Chase, wide receiver three. You might be saying, well, what about DK Metcalf? You know, that guy attached to Russell Wilson out in Seattle, size, speed, freak, scores touchdowns. And listen, I agree. I agree. DK Metcalf, phenomenal player, still young. I believe only 23.6, 24 years old. Starts to blend here. Yeah, very good player. Well, why is he over that? Because he's got he's attached to Russell Wilson, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the game here. Volume concerns again for DK Metcalf. They are much happier running the ball. And then also, too, Russell Wilson sometimes is uber efficient, sort of like what Patrick Mahomes can do. And sometimes people can get other players can get shut out when Tyler Lockett has his boom weeks or when Chris Carson gets an inordinate amount of carries or what have you. Uh, so yeah, DK Metcalf. Volume concerns is why I'll slide in Jamar Chase there. And then, you know, moving on down the line, wide receivers. I know Tyreek Hill had a huge game, and if you want him as his wide receiver one in Dynasty, and I can't necessarily fault him for that. I think he was my wide receiver six or seven heading into the season in Dynasty. Maybe he's my wide receiver five now in Dynasty. But yeah, I, I like these young ascending wide receivers. And uh, that's why Jamar Chase is the wide receiver three in Dynasty. I saw in the DLF mocks, I believe he is now going in single QBs. He is in for October, uh, the average of five mock drafts. He went, he, I think he has like a 110 ADP. He's, he, I think CeeDee Lamb goes ahead of him. Justin Jefferson goes ahead of him. I'm not sure if any other wide receivers go ahead of him in Dynasty, in, in DLF ADP. So that is crazy. So that's the first take. Second take, let's break down Debo Samuel. You guys know before the season, I was all in on Brandon Ayuk. We've all, we all know how that has played out so far. 
Debo Samuel has lit it up. Let me be honest, I'm a little surprised just how good Debo has been. He was a good but not great prospect. He was older. He had good college production, but he dealt with injuries. Second round draft capital, which is solid, and he was dynamic. He would he had a lot of rushes. I think he was a returner to, I think it was at South Carolina, if I remember correctly. Uh, but he dealt with a lot of injuries, like I mentioned. And then Ayuk, who has the better draft capital with the first round, and then who dominates at all depths of target. So last year, he succeeded deep, intermediate. He, he could do it all, like short. He, he excelled regardless of his depth of target. So which makes you think that he, can, that he is the true alpha there, but that just has not how it's been through the first month. He was going to look like he was going to be the next, one of the next superstar wide receivers of this league. But it's been Debo this year for, the, for the San Francisco. And it's because his role in that offense has been money. Now he has 10.5 targets per game which is good for a 32% market share or, or target market share in, in that San Francisco offense. And what's crazy is that's good. He has 122 receiving yards per game, which is, oh, I never would have thought that Debo would be averaging that uh, at any point in his career. But to do that for the first, this season is it's really blown me away. Three touchdowns, an ungodly 3.5 receiving yards per team pass to them is the elite, elite uh, production, which is a little uh, efficiency metric combined with, you know, a share of the offense, like an efficiency comp- combined with a production metric. Very, very nice stat to look at there. And he has 37% air yards market share. Mr. Dunn, you know, the guy who had, I think, an eight under five or something, six for like at some points last season is now has 37% of the air yards in San Francisco. That's a shock, shocker. A 0.7 whopper. Remember when I was talking about Jamar Chase? Uh, the, the anything over 0.7 is considered elite when it comes to weighted opportunity rating, and so he's getting all of the he, you know he's getting the volume, and he's been incredibly efficient with it. 1.48 racer, which is receiver error conversion ratio, basically is how good you turn air yards into receiving yards, and he's doing it has a 1.48 racer at a 7.889 a dot or 7.9 a dot. And that's pretty, that's pretty strong. That's a very good racer. He's a wide receiver three on the season with 23.5 points per game. Now, is he real? Should we, what to expect going forward? I don't expect him to be a week in, week out, top 12 wide receiver. He's had two top five wide receiver weeks uh, this season and another one, or like 16 PPR points, which was like was like twenty six in that that week. I, I forget exactly the top of my head, but I just don't I don't see him consistently consistently showing up like top five wide receiver numbers per week. Now I could be totally wrong here. I I just think he's more of a wide receiver twelve or thirteen fifteen range than a high end wide receiver. You know, twelve top twelve wide receiver rest of season. He might finish as a top twelve wide receiver after this start, but I I, I think Ayuk's gonna be more involved. Trey Lance, uh, George Kittle is going to get more involved. And I, and I'm, you know, he's not going to have busted coverage all the time for Debo Samuel here to score. But w- regardless of if he's a, you know, a, a top 10 wide receiver the rest of the way or t- 13 to 15, he is, he's a valuable fantasy piece because this low A dot role, they're scheming him open. He's the first read in a lot of plays in San Francisco. And with Trey Lance moving to Trey Lance, uh, who's going to bring another dimension to that offense? Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, he was uninspiring, but he, you know, he was a traditional quarterback, could do things that Trey Lance can't do. But I think Trey Lock 
Trey Lance unlocks a different level of this for this offense. Free things open a lot. Excited for Debo Samuel and uh, where people were drafting him to start the, I think, well outside the top 30 dynasty wide receivers at the start of the season, if I remember correctly. And I believe now, I think in DLF ADP, I think he was definitely a top 20 wide receiver in DLF ADP in October. So very promising for Debo Samuel. Maybe I'm a little tr- little cool saying he's not a top 12 wide receiver the rest of the way, but that's how I see it. That's more just a pro brand Ayuk and, I, and a George Kittle and that offense uh, spreading out a little bit more than just central around Debo here with Trey Lance. And believe me, Brandon Ayuk, uh, maybe I'm just stuck in my ways here. But regardless, Debo Samuel, well worth it. Todd probably will tell me that I'm a hater and I need to give up on Ayuk. And he's probably ticked that I made us draft Ayuk in our co-owner league. Uh, and then also because my love for Ayuk got him to draft him on a squad that Todd's now 0-4. Oh, yeah. Oh, th- yeah, that's right. The, the squad that I beat him at this week to put him to 0-4 in our home league. Yeah, that's he had uh, Ayuk on that squad. So Todd's probably going to say it's Debo all the way. But anyway. Take three, moving on. Dalton Schultz. What's to do with Dalton Schultz? He was, you know, people thought this was going to be a split share between Blake Jarwin, some, you know, Lindellians on Twitter, very pro Blake Jarwin fan. Some people thought Blake it was Blake Jarwin season. A lot of people from Rotoviz and others were in on Dalton Schultz as a, as a value late in drafts. And I'm sorry, but he is, let's break it down the numbers here. So anyway, all right, Dalton Schultz, we all know tight end, fantasy football, it's a, it's a wasteland. But just overall, tight ends haven't been quite as bad as people have made them out to be this season. Yeah, there's been some duds from George Kittle, uh, Travis Kelsey had a letdown week this week. Darren Waller had a, a pretty solid week at, towards the end of that game last night. 12 tight ends have been averaging at least 10 points per game or better through the first four weeks, whereas last season, in 2020, only 10 tight ends averaged uh, at least 10 points per game. So two ex- two more tight ends this season are averaging uh, 10 points per game or more, which is at least something. So it's not quite as dire. Now, I might be just playing some tricks with numbers here. But anyway, moving on to Dalton Schultz. He is one of 13 tight ends to have at least three, uh, to have at least three games of five targets or more. So one of 13 tight ends uh, with at least three games of five targets or more. On the season, he's fourth in receptions with 20. Among tight ends, ninth in targets with 23. So he is incredibly efficient with a 20 receptions on 23 targets. That's an that's an insane catch rate. A very, very efficient. And then he's eighth in target share with 18% target share. Not bad for a tight end. And that's good for uh he's a tight end four on the season now after scoring two touchdowns uh in week four. And I think what's really happening with Dalton Schultz is that you have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke, Tony Pollard are demanding a lot of the defenses. A lot of the defense's attention, and then when Dalton Schultz does there, is he ends up being the the bailout option, the dump off option, and he's ra- racking up yards after the catch. That's why he has such a high catch rate, is because the defense is not attend atten- uh, keep being honest and covering Schultz. And so Dak, when Cooper, CD, Zeke, you know all those major weapons and the other wide receivers are being covered, he dumps it off to to get to Schultz. And he has 127 yards after the catch this season, which is third among tight ends. Very impressive. And a lot of that is because he's not being guarded. And so what does that mean rest of the season? I think he is a locked in top 10 tight end option at the very least until Michael Gallup comes back. I saw a report earlier today that it doesn't look like Gallup is going to be available for week five. 
So that's another thing. Now it's a whole new ball game when Gallup gets in there because it's just another person, uh, another player taking away tart. I mean, I know it's, it's, no, there's not a pie that the people are taking away, but just more target competition. And then there's still Blake Jarwin there, who's still running a decent amount of routes there, but the targets are starting to really be dominated by Schultz over the last two weeks, and or at least in the production wise, anyway. So yeah, this is Dalton Schultz, who was. I'm not even sure if he was a top 20 in Dynasty ADP or even in redraft ADP, is now, I think he's a top 10 tight end option here rest of season, or at least until Gallup comes back. Two tight end leagues, he's a, a great player to have in that two, that second tight end spot here. Now, of course, he might not have another game like he, he might not score anywhere close to his fame points where he did in week four here, but Dalton Schultz, there, there's nothing in his, it doesn't take a lot to be a top tight end here, but the targets have been there, and this Dallas offense, which has has been explosive at times, uh, you want a, you want a piece of that. And Dalton Schultz was a cheap piece this offseason, and still relatively probably cheap in a lot of places here. Uh, people haven't quite caught up here. So yeah, Dalton Schultz, I think, is going to be a value here rest of the season here. Well, now this is probably what I should say. Well, this is what Todd would have said as he tore apart Dalton Schultz, or, or uh, my Jamar Chase loves saying that. You know, I'm forgetting about Devontae Adams uh, and what about all these other players that I'm forgetting about. And then Dalton Schultz, uh, you know, talking about when, you know, I'm just, oh, I'm just small sample, Dave, and you're going over the, over here. But uh, we'll have to see what he says in next episode. I'll probably have to leave a little room for a rebuttal to some of my takes next episode here. But I hope everyone enjoys the new format here. You can find Todd over at IDP Guys and right here on the airwaves of Tale Two Rivals. At and on Twitter at ff underscore banterman. Uh, this was a weird experience. Todd usually carries the show as the host, and you guys had to listen to a lot of me talking this week. I hope I didn't put you to sleep, but yeah, that was a that was a this has been an experience. And you can find me, Dave Wright, at ff underscore spaceman on Twitter over at DLF. I believe I'm going to write a article this weekend for DLF. I'm very excited. It's been a little bit, and then you can check out my free databases over on my Patreon at FF underscore Spaceman or on Twitter, you know, all those places. But check that stuff out. Also can find me over at Rookie Fever Podcast with Swags and Finero. Check us out as we break down rookies all season long, every show. Sometimes we do a Rookie Rewind. But if you want rookie content, head up, check me out over on Rookie Fever. Really excited for Duchesne to meet the crew this weekend, go golfing with the guys. And should be a lot of fun to hang out with that crew and uh yeah and then afterwards another big thing is that little dave is going up to maine for the first time trip up to maine to see his family his great grandparents and his grandparents he's met his great his grandparents multiple times but it'll be really exciting for him to meet his great grandparents his his aunts and uncles and oh it's gonna be a special moment so that's what uh, is on tap for the weekend for us and Listen to us tomorrow for the next episode of Taylor Two Rivals. Hit us up with a, a rating and review if you enjoyed this. If you enjoy the new format, if you have any uh, feedback, feel free to DM me or the show handle at Taylor Two Rivals on Twitter. And I hope everyone has a fun week five ahead of them. And until tomorrow, peace.